1: Like what you learn on this and other Cash Flow Diary podcast episodes? Go to learninvestingnow.com And sign up to receive powerful tips and information that will help you succeed as an entrepreneur and investor. Now, here's your host, investor, entrepreneur, business owner, educator, speaker, author, and master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow game, Jay Massey.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Diary podcast. I'm your host, Jay Massey, and I'm glad that you are here today because we are going to talk about something that I know, I know from experience, I know from constant use and practice, the thing that helps us do what we do all the time, and that's technology. Now, yes, I'm talking to you via technology at this particular moment in time, but also learning to leverage The correct pieces of technology inside of your business has the capability to to, to help you, I don't know, explode just doesn't seem like the right word because your efficiency absolutely matters. In fact, if you've never measured your production, your revenue on a per second Basis across an entire year, I encourage you to do so. And then I just encourage you to try to increase it over and over and over again. And oftentimes, the way that we do that is with technology, with software, and being able to use it correctly, understand it, and actually make sure that we know what it is best at makes all the difference. I have with me today someone who has been brave because I consider. Every entrepreneur in that particular field brave because making software is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not, it may not even be fun after a while, but they keep doing it because they have a passion for it. And I have with me none other than Dave Spooner, the co-founder of Enago, a property management software designed to simplify keywords life for small to mid-landlords, which the world should rejoice because everybody wants to address the person who has 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 units and help them. But if you've ever found (laughs) yardie way too complicated or rent manager more than you absolutely needed, I'm guessing that today's guest has a little bit to say about exactly that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some time today. We're going to make sure that, yes, I know you're possibly washing the dishes, walking the dog, but let's pay attention. Let's get ready to listen, learn, and love Dave Spooner. Dave, how you doing?
2: I'm great, Jay. Thanks so much for uh, having me. Heck of an intro. Couldn't have said it better myself.
0: <laughs> well, it's born of frustration mostly because <laughs> I have tried to use all of manage of software and, and they're... Uh, Anyway, you already know. That's
1: it. It's real real with you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Before we go down this road, though, I've got to... This is your first time here, so I've got to ask you the same question I tend to ask everybody the first time that they're here. you ready? Yeah, All right. I'm ready. I tend to look at today's entrepreneurs a lot like yesterday's superheroes. You know, like Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, Black Widow, etc. Because I think superheroes and entrepreneurs have a ton of things in common. For example... As a superhero, I can occasionally imagine myself uh, flying around town, using our products, saving customers one sale at a time, because that's what an entrepreneur would do. Also, though, an entrepreneur has a beginning. And if you think about Spider-Man, for example, there was a time where he was just a kid going to school, doing his thing, taking some photos, and then one day he gets bit by a spider, discovers, oh, man, I have a superhuman ability. What am I going to do with it? And now he gets to choose whether to use it for good or for evil. So my question to you, especially because of what you do, is before Inago, before being involved in software, tech, real estate, etc., before anything that we all know you for today, what we want to know is, who is Dave Spooner?
2: Well, I will say I was a Spider-Man guy growing up. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
2: so, uh, awesome. that was always my favorite animated show. Um, so yeah. So before I got involved in entrepreneurship, um, actually kind of the, the reason I got involved in entrepreneurship is I was an English and history major in, in college. So really way far away from what I'm doing now. Yeah. Totally, totally different. Wow. And, uh, I was lucky enough. I got to participate in this program. <clears throat> I went to Miami university, go Red Hawks. Um, <laughs> I got to participate in this program. It was a, like an honors curriculum and we were able to put together our own scholarship, uh, really from start to finish. It was kind of a master's style, um, program in a way, but in an underground, undergrad environment. And and one of the things that I was able to participate in, the thing that I was able to do is design from start to finish this thesis that we were going to present to the, uh, you know, the board of, of, uh, the history department. And, um, it was very entrepreneurial. We got to kind of do our own thing. We applied for grants. I was able to fly overseas. I interviewed some folks in Prague and Czechoslovakia or Czech Republic, I should say. And uh, it was just a very entrepreneurial experience. And in a very circuitous manner, I ended up thinking a lot about entrepreneurship and kind of taking ownership over something. And and uh you know getting creative with the way that you're problem solving and, and that's actually how i got involved in entrepreneurship so you know 10 years ago i thought i wanted to be a phd in history and, and here we are and i'm, I'm doing software now so <laughs> you never know those
0: yeah um I, I you know what uh dave i'll give you one guess at what my two worst subjects were i'm gonna i'm gonna say english
1: and history how'd i do that is correct 100
0: have anything to say like dude what do you mean software like history English this is not the same thing
2: yeah like I said I mean it was you know I I just kind of got that bug that experience of of trying to build something yourself and, and once you have it it's it's really addictive once you kind of experience that for the first time and, and like you said at the top of the show I mean being an entrepreneur whether you're in real estate, whether you're in software, whatever you're in, but maybe software especially, it is like banging your head against the wall. And it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. So it's not not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. So well, once you have that bug, though, you really you can't turn away from it. Um, and, uh, you know, software is, is just such a good place to experiment, to get creative and to try different things. So it, it
0: seemed like the right place to be. Okay. So th- you've got to just... Tell us level with this because there's always this point especially in the entrepreneur's life there's you know what they've built their brand around so to speak who they are how people relate to them and then all of a sudden did it appear for other people as like wait what or did they expect you Did were you always the entrepreneur you just thought you were the history person or were you really the English and history person who discovered that you were the entrepreneur
2: I think people were pretty
0: surprised. I think I was
2: pretty much the English and history guy that uh, everyone was like, "Oh yeah, he'll go, he'll go get an advanced degree. He's gonna just be a professor someday, or you know, he'll always be around university." And then all of a sudden, I was kind of, kind of flipping it around. I was surprised myself. I mean, I, in some ways, you kind of fall into it, and, yeah. uh, just looking for different unique experiences. So yeah, I would say people were definitely surprised by it. I think, like I said, if you look closely, if you look deeply, a lot there's a lot of parallels to to what. Um, you know, somebody pursuing unique and creative scholarship goes through that an entrepreneur goes through. So I think those that really know, maybe saw some path there, but most people are like, what are you doing?
0: (laughs) I can only imagine. I can, I can just see it one day. You, you like, you've got Moby Dick in one hand and the next day it's like fundamentals (laughs) of computer science that people like, whoa, (laughs) wait, what? I don't, you know, cause that book doesn't even really read like a book. You know when you're starting to go down the tech road and and all of those things. So here here's a, a question because there's a phrase you just used a second ago. Um, you said you get the bug for building something. Was software the first thing that you've ever attempted to build? What what, what are some of the other things? What was that initial thing like like Spider Man when you got bit by the bug?
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, well. Yeah, it's a great question. The, I would say the first thing, you know, not to, not to go back to it, but the first thing that I felt like I was building was that, that thesis, that piece of scholarship.
0: Um, Interesting.
2: and it, like I said, you know, I, I was applying for grants. I was meeting with various professors. I was interviewing people. I was going through in some ways, there's all these parallels to, you know, interviewing clients to understand what the market is like, what the market's looking for. um, just understanding how to navigate all those different little pieces where I, I, I saw those parallels. I saw where it all kind of mm-hmm. lined up. Uh, so I would say that was the first thing that I, I really had an opportunity to, to build. I did, um, I did take some software classes at school mm-hmm. because again, I was just looking for things that were interesting and different. Um, I was interested in, um, actually, if I was going to go into history, I was, I was going to per- pursue, uh, the history of the internet and the history of, um, you know, networked archaeology is what they call it, um, and the way that people communicate and interact with one another. So I, I did have some; there were some parallels there too. But yeah, I, I'd say that that piece of scholarship was really the first thing that I built, and then I, I got started on something that I'm not working on anymore. It wasn't a Nago, but another um, software platform that I worked on for a couple of years. So that was really the first one in the entrepreneurial world, um, in the software world that I was working on. But uh, but yeah, I guess that that piece of scholarship would really be where it all started.
0: You know, what's interesting, you are you, you now hold the record as the first guest to actually make me feel old because <laughs> I remember when I got my first email address because everybody else were getting their first email address. And you just said you were going to do a thesis on the history of the Internet. And it, it's like, come on, man. It's not that old yet. It should not have the history of the Internet. Anyway, yeah. it's it's all hear good. You. It's all good. Now, you, you also said that you, you kind of fall into it. In my experience, now I have, having been in the real estate world for a while, having been a, an instructor and a teacher, podcaster, all these things, and, and led tens of thousands, dare I say, hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs on their path. The idea of honestly doing software, because there's tons of holes that all of the other companies leave and things that they don't know. Cause you always, it feels like there's the person who knows how to do software. Then the person who knows how to do real estate, but doesn't know how to do software. And then the person who knows how to do real estate can't make software. And you just got, and then there's, it's just never what we need. And every time I've looked into it, it's a very expensive proposition that seems like it takes forever before you get to your minimal viable product. And I just go, I don't know that I have the patience for it. So you must share with me. Where does that come from? How can you even stomach going through all of the iterations and testing just to bring it to market?
2: Right. Yeah, it's tough in in the I'd say one of the biggest challenges to kind of piggyback on that is that once it's in market, um it's so amorphous. I mean, it's, it needs to change that mm-hmm. you're going to get feedback from folks that, that say mm, this, that you thought was going to work great. Even that maybe we asked for specifically, it's not working. We need to change this. <laughs> um, and there's just, you're constantly like swapping out cards on a house of cards, which is not an easy task to do. Um, so yeah, it, it's really, it, it, it continues to grow. It continues to change and, and you continue to have to really hammer through, um, all of that. So yeah, it, we, we, You know, when we first started, we had a lot of feedback. We wanted to really listen to landlords and close the gap on the real estate side of things because we had some experience in real estate. We had some folks that were advising us that had a lot of experience in real estate, but the core members of the team were not, you know, we didn't have 30 years of property management experience. We didn't have 20 years of of owning real estate ourselves. We had the software side of it. We had the how to create intuitive, easy to use platform side of it. Uh, knocked out, but we didn't have the real estate side. So one of the biggest things that we committed to early on was listening to our customers, listening, listening to those that were not our customers, listening to those that decided not to be our customers, tried it out and said, this isn't working for me, getting as much feedback as possible to try to close that gap as quickly as possible. And I can tell you the gap still exists. It never is going to go away. You're never going to have the perfect (laughs) piece of software because new technology shows up, laws change, rules change. Um, different things that people are looking for change the, the demographic that owns rental units is constantly shifting and the things that are important to them are changing. So we look at it as an, an ongoing challenge and, that, and that's really, what's exciting about the, the project and the company is that we can continue to build it. It's not just to set it and forget it. It's something that is, like I said, amorphous and, and building on itself and, and getting better and better as, as time goes on, as we get more and more users.
0: You know, I, I think that's you just hit on why I've not been able to pull that trigger. It's because it feels like it 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 never ends. Yep. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, you got to be ready to
2: fight. That's for sure. That's a
1: long...
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Sorry. So l- let me ask this then. When it comes to that, like, and also when I've run the numbers, just being able to find the talent and, and, and put it all together, it's it's very you know front end heavy we'll say yep. to be able to get to the you know that that break even point and then I, I, you know having to just run the numbers uh, on just the sheer marketing cost to get the quantity of of repeat customers that are required. Here's ultimately what I'm building up to is. You could have done anything, man. I think you chose one of the most difficult things to do. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> I think so, I've
2: learned that over the, over the years.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's why I'm like, so help me understand where the passion, where does that drive? What is it that, that continues? Because every day you continue, you, you're making the choice. Nope, this is the one. This is the one I want to do. I know there are other things, but this is it. What, what is driving that? All right, everybody. Thanks. For listening, and I'm glad that you are enjoying what you are hearing thus far. But here's one of the things that's really important. One of the most important things that you can do as get started. One of the things that I've said before, and I say again, once you get started, stay started. But more importantly, there can be lots of roadblocks to getting started. So what we're going to do is we're going to remove one of those roadblocks for you and make it a little bit easier. Because the thing that I don't want to stop you is thinking do I need a local number? How about a long-distance number? Or should it be 800? How on earth am I going to make that happen so that people can contact me as I'm out there building my business, making my cash flow grow, but most importantly, understanding that it doesn't have to be difficult. Many of you may know, but if you don't, there's a company out there by the name of Grasshopper, and what I want you to do is I want you to go over to trygrasshopper.com forward slash cash flow diary. Grasshopper is the entrepreneur's phone system. It works like a traditional phone system, but requires no hardware to purchase, no software to install. It's just the number that flat works. So if you are out there building that distributed workforce across many different locations, it's a way for you to still go out there and make your number be unified, simple, easy to use, something we've been using for quite some time. So again, go over to trygrasshopper.com forward slash cashflow diary. Now let's get back to the rest of the story.
2: Yeah. Well, the beauty of, of software development of building a software as a service platform of marketing that platform of connecting with, with, uh, customers and clients and partners is that it is constantly changing. And, and I'm, I'm the type of person that, that does not, uh, doesn't want to be, you know, sitting in a cubicle doing the same thing every day for 25 years. Um, I want to be constantly taking on new challenges and trying new things out and, and there's really not many better places to do that than building a software product and bringing it to market, and putting it in front of customers and, and making sure your customers are happy and satisfied so While it's really challenging and while it takes a ton of focus and constant focus and you can never really let up and you got to always be you know working hard on it it uh it is constantly changing it is fun it is exciting it's always a new challenge it's always something different there's always something new to learn I mean part of the reason I wanted to be uh uh, you know an English and history major and thought about pursuing a PhD in history is because I truly enjoy learning I like trying new things out I like learning about new things and uh and software is is actually a great place to do that
0: yeah I can only well yeah I mean the the speed at which you know, connections change, interface change. Your, co- I mean, there's yeah. so many moving parts, and they're all dynamic and fluid. I can only imagine what that what that feels like, or what your like Monday morning, you know, all hands meeting goes. <laughs> Here we go. What are we gonna find today? You know That's that right, yeah. that type of thing. So that makes sense. So now, I, I'm sure you've been asked this before. But I gotta know, because every time an entrepreneur you know, goes about to create something, one of the things we go through is many iterations of what are we gonna call this thing? Yeah. So, Inago, please explain the name. Yeah. Where does it absolutely. come from? Yes. We always get this question. We're I can only imagine.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it doesn't really mean anything. Um, okay. it's meant to invoke a sense of simplicity and organization and order and um, just kind of a brightness and improvement. Kind of like in the way that, you know, obviously Google is a Googleplex, but they're taking a, a word that represents all these different numbers and a ton of different stuff and simplifying that word down and trying to articulate the fact that that's what they're doing with Google, right? They're taking all these different Millions and billions of links and articles out there, and simplifying them down for you, and cutting them short so that you get the good stuff. And that's kind of what we're trying to invoke with Inago is is this this uh, sense of simplicity, the sense that it's going to take your your craziness of your properties and your portfolio, and it's going to just simplify it down for you. So doesn't really technically mean anything. It's kind of a nonsense word, but hopefully it sticks Got in it. your mind and, and gives you that that kind of feeling and that warmth when uh, when you hear it.
0: Well, the other thing uh, that to always remember is that when, when we're thinking of these names, like the customers never know Google meant nothing until Google made it mean something. And that's kind of your job, our job to go out there and make that happen. So um, share with us, if you will, um, exactly what, I mean, we've hinted at it and we've kind of talked around it, but in a very clear and direct way, I, I did. I mentioned Yardi, I mentioned rent manager and there's a ton more. Yeah. But why Anago? Why would the the small to medium? First of all, I need you to define what you what you mean by small to medium uh, size landlord. What are they going to benefit from here when it comes with Inago versus? Uh, well, I'm, it's hard to say anything about the others because they're just they're hard to use. <laughs> right. That's and that's the key. That's it. That's it. You hit the nail on the head.
2: I mean, that's what. That's why Inago started is because we were, we were involved in the real estate space with another software platform. Uh, me and my partner, uh, the CTO of Inago, my co-founder Yasser Drabu, um, we heard so much, so much feedback from landlords saying, "There's nothing out there that that really works." that's affordable, that's easy to use. A lot of the landlords that we work with, they have a day job, right? They work a nine to five and then they own investment properties. Maybe they own five, maybe they own a hundred. Um, maybe they do it full-time, but even so, if they're managing a hundred units themselves full-time, they don't have the time to learn, to get certified, to use Yardi. Um, one of the exercises that, that we go through whenever we hire somebody new in Inago is we go onto LinkedIn and we look up, we type into LinkedIn in the search bar, Yardi or Appfolio or whatever it might be, and I'm not looking for employees of those companies. I'm looking for people that work for property management companies or landlords or real estate companies whose job title is Yardi Expert. And I always point out to the new hire, if we ever find somebody on Inago or on, on LinkedIn that says that they are a, a Nago expert, we have completely failed in our job because nobody should need to be an Inago expert. You don't have Gmail experts out there, right? You don't have people that, that know how to <laughs> you know, market themselves as I'm gonna teach you how to use Gmail, right? At least most people don't. Um, so that was the focus. It was, how do we build this platform that is really, really simple. That's really intuitive that anybody can pick up and start using and actually accomplish things and get things done. Um, and that's what we started building. And what we quickly realized is the other, the other thing that you run into. So that's the one major barrier to entry is that it's too difficult to use. It's too complex. And the other major barrier was the cost of it. So we said, all right, let's just make it free. So we, Made it free. So it's totally free for landlords. There's absolutely no cost. There's no contract. And we're offering a lot of the major tools that you would would want to see in your management platform, from collecting rent online to screening your tenants to signing leases digitally, receiving maintenance tickets, uh, having sub-users like maintenance personnel, communicating with your tenants, et cetera. It's all in there. It's free. And it's it's really quite easy to use.
0: Now, you know the next question. So, go ahead. And-
2: yep. I'm ready for it. <laughs>
0: well, you you already know. I mean, because there's someone who was listening right now. They they were just like, "Okay, yeah, 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 whatever." And then you said the magic four-letter word and you probably yep. caused a, a a traffic incident or something right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, help us understand the, the thought process How do you guys work? Because that's the first thing that comes up for nearly everyone then is, okay if it's free, are you going to be there to support it? And so how? Why would I use it? And then you guys go away because it was free. I mean, help me out.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, that is always the next question. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So we we looked at it and we said, why are we charging landlords? Landlords are our partners in this equation. We're trying to help landlords. We're trying to make their lives easier. So let's no longer charge landlords. Instead, we shifted the charge to folks that can easily pay for it and who can spread it around. And it's not going to cost them a heck of a lot. And that's the tenant. So instead of charging the landlord, we charge for only two things in an Both are charged to the tenants or the applicants. One is Screening reports. When a tenant or a potential tenant applies to one of your properties, you can determine whether or not you want them to give you a credit and criminal report or a credit, criminal, and eviction report. If you choose credit and criminal, it's 30 bucks paid by the applicant. If you choose credit, criminal, and eviction, it's 35. So, pretty standard application fees. You're no longer needing to collect those or run them yourselves. They show up instantly in your account. Applicant pays for it. Everybody's happy. The second thing that we make money on is the rental transaction. So when a tenant goes in and pays rent online, they have two methods of payment available to them. They can pay by ACH or e-check. And they can pay by credit or debit card. They pay by ACH. It's only two bucks to, to make the transaction. It's actually 2% capped at $2. So if it's like a $10 transaction, it's just 20 cents. But anyway, it's two bucks per transaction. And then it's 2.75% on debit and credit card transactions. So from the landlord's standpoint, 100% free. From the tenant's standpoint really low cost and we actually give away things like free transactions all the time for doing things like signing up for autopay or you know entering in all your contact info properly or you know adding some pictures of your your address whatever it is we'll give away some free transactions to get them motivated and excited about using the platform
0: awesome love it 100% so i i'm obviously i'm assuming the the landlords have been excited about this um, and from going through and looking at your website and things, it was intriguing. I was, I was at least happy, you know, and I'm just going to shoot you straight here. I was like, wow, at least they put an app on there because, you know, because <laughs> sometimes that is that, that's the bar is set so low with this stuff. Sometimes it's like, okay, just, can you just have an app? And then you're, the fact that you guys are doing lease signing and all that other stuff digitally too was, uh, encouraging because i think part of the challenge for for most landlords at least that was that for me i'll speak for me is the organization of all of the critical data points because later and this is where i'm headed later i I need that information to create reports which gives me the business intelligence to make my my next decision on my next acquisition um is that something you guys handle as well
2: yeah, so in again, you, you nailed it there. So what we're trying to do is automate the things that are really just data collection, right? Or or moving things around that, that you don't really need to participate in. So that you can do the heavy lifting that's required on your end as the actual owner and investor, which is making those business decisions. But you need that information in front of you. So with Inago, we're we're not, I mean, we're not doing full back end accounting. You know, we're not gonna replace your your CPA. We're not gonna replace your, your heavy duty program that's calculating a more and and, uh, where to make your next investment. But we are going to provide you all the information about your existing investments from the income that's coming into your properties to the expenses that are going out to it. And you can generate reports on the fly. Um, You can export all the data. It's your data. You can export it as a CSV file and pull it into other programs as needed. But it's really just about organizing, like you said, all of those data points and putting them in one simple, easy to access place from your phone, from your computer, wherever you are. So that you can then make those decisions and 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 grow focus on growing your business rather than just managing the business that already exists
0: love it one hundred percent so I'm gonna do i i'm i I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> do my best right now to throw you that curveball if you will that hey I Dave I think it's you're you're about to change again and and I want to see where this goes because this would be again I'm, I'm gonna be a little selfish for myself and many of the listeners. Because what? while, yes, we're in the real estate world, um, we don't do the traditional landlord thing, a lot of us. What we tend to focus on are short-term rentals. And to say that there's a <laughs> lack of software there is an understatement. However, I'm curious, yep. is that something that's on your roadmap? Is that something that you guys could handle in, in that sense, uh, being able to organize the th- That world uh, of short term rentals in some way, shape or form,
2: yeah, so one of the when when we first sat down and we said, "How do we make this more intuitive? One of the biggest challenges that we realized that landlords face is that each state has its own real estate laws, and within each real estate sector, each landlord's do- landlord does things differently and there's all these different real estate sectors like short-term rentals, corporate rentals, yep. long-term rentals, student housing, commercial, et cetera. All these different parties that all want slightly different things. Fundamentally, it's the same core yep. processes. Yep. But the actual way it manifests itself is different across the board. Yep. So the, th- the second thing that we identified right next to intuitive when we were putting this up on our whiteboard was flexible. It has got to be both of those things. And that's where it's challenging is how to keep it both flexible where you can do a lot of different things, but also intuitive where those things are easy to understand and easy to follow. And we've put a lot of focus into that. And while we have not specifically designed ourselves for short-term rentals, we work with a lot of landlords that do short-term rentals because it is flexible enough to handle it. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of part of the, what I was talking about before, where, where it is an amorphous product. It's a product that's changing, it's continuing to evolve and it's dynamic. And that's finding those different sectors that maybe are underserved and saying, okay, so our tools work pretty darn well for short-term rentals, but what are some of the gaps that are unique to short-term rentals that we haven't solved yet? What are ways that we can improve that? And, and we're continuing to do that. So by no means it's not, it's not designed for short-term rentals specifically, but we have a lot of clients already on the platform that do it. So I encourage anybody that's interested that hasn't found anything yet to take a look at it because it might be a perfect solution. At the very least, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what's missing in the market. Uh, it's always super helpful for us.
0: Love it one hundred percent. And and that is the quintessential entrepreneur answer. It's a it's a long not yet. Be right back. We'll figure it out and right. make it happen. And here's how. Here's what you can do in the meantime. And and that's exactly. Yep. The the type of thing that I, I think about a lot, and and based upon your revenue model, um, I would venture to say it would become one of the more profitable uh, types for you because our our that was a lot for a lot of us. The reason that we made the switch or, or dabbling in it, so to speak, is because the revenue is easily two to three x of what a traditional rental would be. And since you're on a percentage basis with the payments and screen, and you want to talk about screening fees, jeez, we, we're, we're completely doing that all day long. So the, those right. are the things that were going through my head on your side. And I'm like, Hmm, this, this could work out for, for a lot of people. So uh, when it comes down to, to building software, if you were, if someone was listening and, and, you know, regardless of the industry or what it is that they're doing, did, I'm just talking building software. What would you tell them? Like, what did you know? Because, see, part of the thing that protects entrepreneurs and brings so many products to market is the fact that we are blissfully ignorant of just how difficult some of the things that we are attempting to do are. But now, Dave, you're you're no longer in that category. You know. So... Talk to someone who has a software idea and 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 I'm curious to hear what you would tell them if they were just now getting started.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got really lucky because like you said, I, I was totally unaware of how much work really it was gonna <laughs> be that <laughs> naivete is honestly a critical ingredient. You you yeah. you can't know beforehand because if you did, there's no way you'd try it out. There's no <laughs> way you'd get, get as far as, as we have. Um I also got really lucky because my co-founder and my partner is a genius. I mean, he's a he's a computer whiz, of course, and he has built the whole thing and uh, has built out the team that that continues to work on it. and he's he's super smart, super sharp. And that's honestly, these days, that's the key ingredient that I would identify for folks. I'd say you need to have somebody on your team that is a part of this thing that knows what the heck they're doing when it comes to software development and building software, um, from, from the technical side, Mm -hmm. you have to have that, or you need to go out and get that yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, don't outsource all of it, get it in, in house, get it on your team because it's going to inform every single decision that you make. You're building a software product. You need a software expert. You have to have it. You can't just go out and find some firm and pay them $30,000 and say, build this for us because their heart's not in it. They don't know the actual vision of the product and after their work is done, they've moved on. You know, you're gonna pay them another 30 grand to stay on, it just becomes a vicious cycle in, in a lot of ways. So that's the biggest thing is is having that technical side knocked out for you when when you are doing uh do doing software development.
0: You know, Dave, if it was only gonna be thirty thousand dollars, I would right, done. Right exactly. It. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. It's way more say. than that. That's that's a low ball number. <laughs> Like, <laughs> that's not happening for 30 grand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, totally understand. Now, for those that have listened this far and want to find out more, uh, what's going to be the best way for them to track you down?
2: Yeah, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. You can just look for Inago or Inago software. Um, but the best place to get in contact with us, the best place to find us is, of course, our website. Uh, simple Google search I N N A G O, and is a Nicholas. Um, or Inago.com, I-N-N-A-G-O. Uh, both great places to to reach out to us, to get in contact with us, to find out more and to try it out yourself.
0: Excellent. Now, as we wind down, I got a final question for you because I'm curious to hear your answer. You know, uh, there's a number of people who, who have been listening and they're at various stages of their own entrepreneurial journey. And I'm also aware that oftentimes it takes episodes like this, people like you, to... to help someone get to what I call the precipice of decision. It's that point where you go, you know what? That's it. I'm doing this. You know, it's kind of similar to when you said, you know what? That's it. I'm going down this, you know, software thing. I don't need this English and history stuff. And then, (laughs) but at the same time, when we get to those precipices, what happens is uh, we often have a companion and it's a companion that comes in the form of a voice. And it's a voice that reminds us. It says things like, you're going to do what? And don't you know what happened last time? Do you know how many people fail? I mean, I heard nine out of 10 businesses fail. What do you think? What are you thinking? And for some people, they're related to that voice. So my question to you is as follows. Let's pretend that this time it's going to be different. This time they're going to follow through. They're going to do exactly what you suggest. And they're going to do so in the next 24 to 48 hours. What would you suggest that they do?
2: I would say that the num—I think what's really paid off for me from the beginning is that the the kind of core drive that I had when I when I first got started in all this, like I mentioned before, was it was a way to experience different things. It was a way to learn. It was a way to grow. Um, I saw it as, you know, I could go into, if, if I, there's a couple paths through entrepreneurship, you can go the corporate route where you learn that way and then maybe try to split off and do entrepreneurship, or you can just dive right into entrepreneurship. And I saw the most accelerated path to learning, to going through that entrepreneurship, uh, you know, going in that direction. So as you're setting this up, as you're, as you're preparing to take on that challenge, make sure that you're doing it in such a way that you're going to continue to learn and grow. Because not everybody's going to succeed. It's just the reality. It's not always going to work out. Your venture might fail. You know, you might try this out and it might not work. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just means you should do it in such a way where you're learning and growing, and the next time you try, you're going to be better at it. Or the next thing that you take on, whether it's you know a fundraiser, whether it's a, a nonprofit that you get involved in, whether it's your your day job, whatever it might be, that you're doing a better job of whatever that is because of what you learned from that experience. So make sure you're constantly learning. Make sure you're not getting stuck in a rut where you're doing the same thing every day and you're not growing, and you're not trying new things, and you're not challenging yourself in the business. And you'll get enough value to make it worth it no matter how successful the actual venture is.
0: Well said, sir, because um, that's ultimately all we get to take with this <laughs> from place to place anyway. And yeah. it's spoken like someone who has done that that very thing. I, I just want to be the first to say thanks for, for taking the time to share your knowledge, your wisdom, and your insight here with us today at the Casual Diaries there.
2: Thanks so much, Jay. This was a ton of fun. Really appreciate it.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for you to move at the speed of instruction. What does that mean? Well, I think it means, you know, he said free. So go over to inago.com, I-N-N-A-G-O.com. Why? Because... You're curious because you know you should, because you have high intention at this exact moment. And you know, like I know, the law of diminishing intent is going to get you. You say to yourself, oh, I'll remember. No, go now. In fact, start now, because that's also what I heard today. You have that idea. You know it has a shot at working. And your worst case scenario is that you learn and you're on the path to constant and never-ending improvement. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been fun talking to you guys today. I look forward to talking to you soon. Until next time.